Every step of the way, we're testing, tasting, and directing our creativity to ensure the highest quality, CBD quality. This hands-on, no-shortcuts mindset is the cornerstone of the methodology we created for ourselves. We call it slow crafting. You can find this on Chuckana Bay Distillery's bourbon whiskey bottle. And it's the very reason why Josh and I took their invitation to come up and record a podcast with them seriously. They select their grains from farmers in the valley up in Bellingham. They ferment on site. They distill on site. And they bottle on site. They have nine products. They have bourbon, vodka, potato gin, gin, potato vodka, coffee liqueur, Krampus, which is like a hazelnut... um, like seasonal Christmas release. Yeah, it's got, I mean, hazelnut is just part of it. There's several different spices. Yeah, there. I mean, we, we tasted it, but it was, I think, June, and it, yeah, I, I would yeah. I would have drank that all nice even in the summer. Yeah. Um, but they've also got um, then Muzzle Flash and Green Man's Dram, which Green Man's Dram is a hops schnapps, which is very interesting. And, you know, the, the two bottles that we ended up bringing home were... The muzzle flash whiskey. Muzzle flash whiskey, which is kind of it actually says Washington State whiskey, but you know it's Washington State whiskey is not an official category yet. But uh, you know the America, it's basically an American whiskey, and they also have this um, bourbon. And I mean, if you had given me a blind test, I would have said that the bourbon was the muzzle flash, just because muzzle flash says whiskey and bourbon. I don't. I think of bourbon. I think it's sweeter and a little bit smoother. A little bit smoother. And so it, it actually surprised my tongue when it had some rye notes to it. It was spicy. Yeah, I was I was shocked at how there's so much spice from the rye. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and if you look at the color difference there, um, you kind of have this like reddish hue to the bourbon and kind of this light caramel. So I don't think it's a thing of age because, you know, sometimes you get this uh, really young rye, yeah. um, spicy thing. And get, not that. Uh, but They don't say on here, and I don't remember if we had talked to them about how long it had been in the barrel, but you don't get that newness that you get very often. I mean, I mean in this state, there's nothing that is older than five years. You know, most of them are le- much less than that. On, on the on the bourbon, smelling it, it's, it kind of reminded me of candied cinnamon, like a Red Hot. It's kind of a, a fire to it, and not not like a, some cheap cinnamon whiskey, but mm-hmm. but just that kind of that nose to it that reminded me of that. And, and like a, like a fresh apple, you know, like Christmas. You know, out of the nine products, um, my favorites are the whiskeys. I mean, that's just because that's kind of, I guess, how we lean anyways. Um, the two products that, that I probably like the least, this is kind of a hard one to pick out, is uh, there are two um, potato-based products. Um, now, it's not because they're, they're not, like, high quality or anything. There's nothing astringent, um, nothing that's too off-putting other than they purposely didn't make vodka traditionally. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they left a lot of flavor there, and actually, as a whiskey drinker, Whiskey drinkers, we we love that. Yeah. We we love having this this really character vodka. But um, yeah, their vodka tastes very strongly of Yukon Gold potatoes. It's exactly yeah. what they wanted, as and advertised. As advertised, um, and you know, honestly, that's just not for me. But like I said, it's it's not an issue of, of quality or 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 anything like that. Yeah. Oh, um, yes. Yeah, so, so their location was kind of weird. The job that pays me has me up in that area quite a bit, and uh, I work all around the block that they are on, and I worked there for over a year and a half and did not know that they were literally in the alleyway that I drove around multiple times, you know, in a month. They, they, they really are like this little hole in the wall um, right behind uh, Boundary Bay Brewery. Um, so you can go to the brewery and then, you know, hop down and visit uh, Chuck and I Bay Distillery. But they, they're just this tiny little spot. I think it's even still gravel in the alleyway, and uh, you have to look for it. If you're up there for the farmer's market, 
They are right across the street and into the alley, mm. uh, just uh, north of the farmer's market. The thing that was surprising, even though they're kind of this hole in the wall, there's a tremendous amount of traffic while we were there. Yeah. Uh, we, 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 you know, we did the tour. We got to see their um, new modern uh, grain crusher. Uh-huh. <laughs> Not the bicycle. <laughs> Not the bicycle. Uh, one thing that we realized is that, you know, every distillery we go to does not have a recording studio in it. We've, we've, we've <laughs> looked extensively. And Even Woodenville to... Whiskey. They don't. Yeah, yeah they just had them. an office. Yeah. Uh, so so we ended up, um, you know, they, they were, I, I don't remember what they were doing. They were doing stripping runs or something. And uh, so, you know, there's a lot of noise in the in the production area. Yeah, so we, we... Uh, they were gracious enough to uh, basically close the door and give us the tasting room. Um, mm-hmm. For about an hour, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so yeah, um, but while we were there, we had tons of people coming, trying to come through. Um, we're sorry. Yeah. So they're, we're they're, sorry they're, if you were there. Their loading bay is nice, but their tasting room is nicer. Yeah. What I really love about them is just their attitude. Mm-hmm. And and you know, I read off the the label from the bourbon bottle, but they just have this great pride in in what they produce. Mm-hmm. You know, they are intentional about every step of the process and. It all starts with them buying grain locally. And, I mean, a lot of stores say that, but, like, these guys are buying it from farms right there from the, the valley in, in, in Bellingham. Yeah. and Right there from the farms in Bellingham. So, um, you know, from the, from the beginning, they're keeping it local. And you're really getting um, Bellingham flavor not only in the bottle but also in the tasting room. Mm-hmm. You know, there's things like we alluded to this this bicycle grinder yeah. uh, that, that, that you'll hear about. And... Uh, um, I don't know what is more Bellingham than having a fixie gear bicycle um, grinding your potatoes and grain. Enough of us talking about Chocolate Bay Distillery. Let's listen to our interview. So Matt and I have been friends for a long time and kind of would get together yeah, at the Black Cat here in, in Bellingham kind of skiing projects of this ilk. Matt has always made, you know, he's very good with his hands, can build anything, um, and has made hard cider, root beer, may or may not have distilled, uh, depending on... Still water. Yeah, yeah, who who you ask. Yeah, I'm speaking about... But, uh, yeah, we we really wanted to do this. Came up with this idea, and, and... Took the plunge in 2011. Uh, yeah, formed formed the company. Then the long journey began. So, so you guys from Billingham originally? We both went yeah. to school up here, and Matt, you never you never went home. I never I never left. Yeah, I returned to the Seattle area, and then um, you know with the with the goal of coming back, and and came back in '03. So kind of cool. was there anything about your? I mean, he said you, you tinker and you distill things potentially uh, is there anything about your past that this like made this like were you in marketing were you in like uh, I don't even know what would actually help but is there anything that actually helped from your degrees or well no not my degrees uh, <laughs> got a degree in philosophy with a whole lot of credits I was in the wine industry for a number of years okay. and so I don't know for me it, it kind of informs a lot of what I do I think that it's kind of interesting anytime you're eating or drinking anything, you know, how often there's a certain percentage of the population that they don't think much about it at all. Like whatever they're imbibing, yeah. ingesting, it's like sustenance, yeah. it's salty, it's sweet, mm-hmm. you know, but, but you can develop the skills of like tasting yeah. and, and then 
hopefully that informs like what I mean. Hopefully that informs what you do, and that enables you to 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 create something that's that's rich in character and good. Uh, so I think that that more than any of my education, uh, like school, <laughs> history and philosophy didn't you know, tell me too much about this whole thing. How was that like with Bellingham working with the city and awesome? I think it's always a lot of work when yeah. when you're when you're talking new industry and it doesn't fit into this checkbox that's readily identifiable and, yeah. and know how it works. You know, so for us, I mean, we ended up being treated like a uh, refinery. Like so, we had those sorts of rules imposed upon us, and and as far as so the big thing was fire, right? You know, and yeah, you can get into some trouble if you don't know what you're doing and and set up systems that aren't safe. You could cause some issues for sure. So yeah, yeah, we got this space in 2011, and then uh, I think it took six months or so for the federal stuff, um, a little bit more than that for the state stuff. It wasn't until 2013 that the all the city stuff kind of came along and allowed us to set up a court, which is kind of interesting, you know, because I mean, in order to get by the federal stuff or the state stuff, you got to say, here's my layout, here's how it's all going to be, but yeah. you know, so just getting a hold of the federal government is it's hard. You, Getting them, but once they act on something, they're just like, ah, there you go. Um, yeah, I think they're, you know, they know the, they know the protocol. Whereas in Bellingham, we were the second, I guess, technically within within city limits. So it was really new animal for for them and, and trying to figure out how to how to classify us was was a, was a learning process for for them and for us. And, and as a result, it took a little longer. So we always nerd out about the label designs. Who does it? Um, where did the logo come from? There were a, a number of folks that we've worked with that have kind of helped to inform a lot of our labels. We work with some local artists. Kelly Kelly had um, a friend, associate, that, that ended up like doing a lot of the initial mock-up. Like, so we just kind of get together and spitball a bunch of ideas. Mm-hmm. And then I'm sure if, as those ideas were put to page, you know, it would be stick figure-esque. And then she'd, <laughs> she'd come back with something that was just like... Whoa! Did we really give you that idea? Because that's great, you know? <laughs> uh, making us look good. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah I, I'm a you know Beecher's cheese. Um, I love their yeah. their artwork uh, and kind of that style of kind of authenticity was kind of the, the not necessarily literally what, what we were going for, but kind of in that in that vein. Yeah. And yeah, we were fortunate enough to stumble across someone who kind of internalized what we were what we were shooting for not you know not anything super polished or glossy so um when you first started what was it you were wanting to was that we're going to do gin and then work your way out or what was it that you kind of yeah i mean i think gin was was kind of the the prime mover you know i mean it was like hey we love gin let's let's make a fantastic gin Mm -hmm. um and and then and then as we were you know, kind of discussing and, and speaking with farmers and things like that. It uh, and as we dialed in equipment, um, we knew we wanted to make potato vodka too. I think it, it goes goes kind of along with our well. What's the most di- difficult path we can take? All right, well, let's take that one. Yeah. So uh, so that and that was potatoes. That was our uh, that was our white whale. Yeah, and we, we captured that white whale, uh, but but it was it was quite a task doing. I'll tell you that. It was, so just as far as establishing uh, systems to deal with that, you know, the whole potatoes and whole fresh potatoes, and so that was our first product, and then gin was immediately thereafter. But but making gin was, I don't know, to me every time I think about it, it's just like 
We want so, to make gin. So you, you said that you had to figure out a way to integrate the potatoes in your process. Um, can you talk about that a little bit? Um, we have this fixed gear um, bicycle hanging in the middle of your tasting room. You told us earlier that had something to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, that, that little yellow bicycle. Uh, well, I guess first off, it's based off of one of my favorite frame geometries, which is a Gary Fisher Excalibur. It was Reynolds 853 tubing, one of my favorite <laughs> frames. I broke it. Years ago, but yeah. So a friend of friend and myself uh, welded that thing together, and well, he did the welding. I kind of watched him drink a cider, I think. And uh, yeah, so that, so on that bike, we crushed up the first thirteen thousand pounds of potatoes. Um, so the big thing is, is you know, you got lots of starches there and lots of solid matter and liquid, and so you just need to get those starches as available as possible for enzymes to change those starches to fermentable sugars. So that's the function of that performed. Big fans of bikes. Yep. So definitely big fans of grinders now. As right. A, as a result of <laughs> right. like motorized things now. <laughs> yes we do. Yeah we can't say we've actually ran into any other distiller that used a bicycle to crush up <laughs> products. So you guys uh, have a distributor where are you available? Uh, like as far as specific retailers, I mean, so a, a number of different chains, uh, totals, uh, Whole Foods, yeah, Hagen. Uh, no, Hagen's has been great for us, very supportive. Why, what sets you apart from the Bacardi brand? I guess first and foremost, I, I would like them just to try it side by side, you know? I mean, lots of those folks are using continuous distillation. Like, I mean, I know small batch and stuff is thrown around like crazy, right? To the point where it's like, well, small batch. Small, admittedly. What's small mean? Subjective. Nothing. But batch is very meaningful. It means that there's a beginning, middle, and end to a distillation. And I think that if you've got people who are capable distillers and can make good cuts, like a continuous distillation will never be able to, to meet what you can do in that process. So if, if you're constantly, you just have a column that's vapor constantly going and you keep throwing your, your wash or your beer, whatever you want to call it, on top of that, and then expecting your machine to parse it out in a meaningful way with good <laughs> cuts, I mean, good luck. I think, I think we can do better. And so I guess I would encourage them just to try it. After going through your lineup, I cannot argue with that at all. <laughs> Thanks a lot. I mean, fantastic. That's that's what's amazing. So you've been open since 2011 officially, right? Company opened in 2011. Yeah. Distillery opened in 2013. You've got an impressive lineup that nine, right? Yeah, nine spirits. Nine right. spirits that are all excellent. Some some places have two or three good ones. And some other ones. <laughs> and you know, this weird one called Krampus. <laughs> yeah, this weird one called Krampus. Tell us about Krampus, actually. We really wanted to do a seasonal. Like, it's like, hey, it wouldn't it be fun to do a seasonal? This suggests winter. You know, I mean, what inspires the desire to have a high alcohol spirit mixtures, you know, drink? Other than, like, better than cold weather and, and, <laughs> and the fear of having to go meet with family for extended periods of time, right? So it's like, we need to do this. And so, um, so more for our sakes, but our own in the world. Right, right. Increase the area good. That's what we tell ourselves each and every morning. Um, so it kind of started from that sort of a foundation, then just kind of kicking it around. Um, and then Tony, um, our assistant distiller and just do everything guy, 
was very adamant that we're like, we got to use Krampus. Krampus is awesome. And I'm like, Krampus? I mean, I'm not sure. Like, I get it, you know, the Punisher of Naughty Children. And I, I kind of like his, his resolve in, like, <laughs> taking Naughty Children away as opposed to just delivering a lump of coal. Yeah, but, but then so, like, as we kept speaking about it, the history of Krampus, which is Bavarian, um, there was this old recipe that utilized hazelnuts. And so... We kind of discussed, and we love hazelnuts and honey, and we have those things here. And so that was kind of our jumping off point, too. Hey, we could develop something really cool using this stuff from right in the county and make it our own and own it, you know? And, like, not, you know, it is ours, obviously, but, I mean, just really going after something and saying, hey, check this out, world. Uh, so, yeah, that's really kind of how that came about, I guess. Yeah, know? that's fantastic. That would be good. Eggnog, that would be good. Hot chocolate. Hot chocolate. I mean, that's that's fantastic. Yeah, very very versatile, very popular. I think sold more of that than anything else this holiday season. It's, yeah. So, Do you have enough to keep up with next season, hopefully? Or <laughs> yeah, well, a new batch, a new and bigger batch. <laughs> when, when will that come out? I think uh, the the big release we try to do uh, mid mid to late September. Okay. You know, cool. and then that's where we make it available in the market at large. Okay. So otherwise, it's just here in the distillery. You guys are um, deserving of much more respect for going from grain to glass than I think somebody who doesn't. And I would actually tell that to those people. There are guys that we know who um, do both. They um, they want to provide like a really cheap bourbon, so they, they buy the bourbon and they filter it and then they it's produced by them. At least they're honest about it. And so you know, yeah. I, mean, I, I, I have respect for not being lied to. Right. Um, I see that as a minimum. Otherwise, I'm not interested in buying it. You know. Um, but you speak to maybe the reason why you guys have chosen to go the hard way. Every single distillery we've talked to, me, you may be different, or tempted at least. They're like, well, maybe we could, and then they somehow decided, most, a lot of them decided then to go you know, grain to glass. So why are you passionate about that? Yeah, I, I, can, I can only speak for myself, but um, I became aware of that obviously early on, that, that as a business model comes a point when you, when you do some soul searching and, Discuss what it is you you want to be and what, what you set out to do, and didn't didn't take us long to come to the conclusion that we, to do it the way we had originally envisioned and um, profitability be damned. Hopefully, it would it would follow. You know, it wouldn't be the wouldn't be a quick path or an easy path. But yeah, I mean, the the dream from the get go was was always to do something really that we could be proud of you know and something that was really reflective of, of the community that we live in so we wanted to use agricultural products from here and, you know Bellingham I, I don't know that it would fly here I mean, it would probably be probably out on the rail if we did that <laughs> but this is this is kind of the way we envisioned it from the get-go and it's what we personally like to drink you know I think you said you know at the minimum, don't lie to me. You know, like uh, we we're looking for authenticity in, in what we consume, and, and we think other other people are as well. And increasingly, people consumers uh, as they become more aware of, of the nuances of the of the business models and the spectrum, that they'll um, appreciate the the way we are doing it. Yeah. Uh, maybe just that. Yeah, echo that a bit. Like I. When, when we discussed it and everything, the, you want to be of a place, you know? And we've got this place. So, like, oh, for me, I always think of it in terms of wine. You know, you've got French 
villages that are like producing particular types of grapes so it'll be in a particular type of wine there are negotiants that come there and just buy wine you know and they put it together and they do their thing and that's great but there's some there's something to be said for if you can control the entire process it's like the batch thing really think with the like the authenticity that Kelly alluded to like we can just create something that's better that we can stand wholeheartedly behind and just feel good about and is enduring like so setting up these systems that that reflect place like I think ultimately like if we can reflect place in other markets all of a sudden we're relevant there because we can take this place with us and we're like we're of this place but we're here like if we take uh, and it's not just a simple num- you know number saying or whatever like someday you think like as we hit more markets and we're in different states and we say hey we're taking this place and we're putting it on display for you. This is who we are. Yeah. Like, if, if we simply wanted that put-it-together bottle, something that we're getting from the Midwest, what sort of a what sort of a pitch do you have? Like, how do you make yourself relevant there? Yeah. Like, well, you're in Oklahoma, and I buy this stuff from a couple states over from you, and it goes to Washington, and then I package it, and I send it back to you. Yeah. Like, um, I don't think that's as compelling. And it's not to land blast. Like, I think that some of those people do some great stuff, and some people find some really cool stuff and if they're really discerning they can put together something that's really interesting mm-hmm. um, but some somebody else has that those exact same pieces and they can construct something pretty similar potentially what would you consider your flagship like if there was a competition that was just hey just send us your best anything mm-hmm. what would it be you have a favorite child I mean <laughs> which, which one do you which one do you say oh well Billy's just really not getting the best grades right now, you know. But the um, other one's actually nice, right? <laughs> yeah, bourbon would have to be in there. I think uh, we've sent the potato vodka off to, to several competitions, and we've won awards with it lots of different places. There's a lot of other products we just haven't sent off though. Um, then there are some things that like I think just no one else has. Like look around for potato gin. Tell me, tell me when you find another one. <laughs> you know, I just not around, and I think ours is delicious. Uh, Ultimately, I think we want our we want our spirits to go toe to toe with whatever you know, and then and at the end of the day, if someone's like, "Oh, well, this is better," it would be like, "But this is good," you know, like, and and I think that we do an excellent job putting them together, and then at the end of the day, like between individuals, like stylistically, you meet a particular criteria, and that's objective, right? And then the last part is this subjectivity that it makes it really entertaining and fun to try different things, but. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Di- I diplomatic would, answer, you, you love all your kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I would have a hard time. I, I would say probably the wheat, gin, right. uh, bourbon. Yeah, maybe I think for us personally, like the, the, the gin that kind of inspired the, the distillery in the first place, the, the potato vodka that was the, the very first product we, we debuted with, with great effort. Um, and then and then the bourbon is, um, it's just great to have a, a brown spirit of, of its, um, you know, we, we love it and feel it really reflects what we were trying to achieve with it, so. Are there uh, any events you're going to be at this, this year? Yeah, we're doing, uh, we're doing the Proof okay. Festival, uh, so it'll be our first time there, we're excited yeah. to do that. It is off the hook. Is it really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. That's nice. good. Well, for the fact that I run, that I co-run this, I don't have that high of a tolerance. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, because we went over the sound or one of the sound spirits distillers, like 
caught us in the middle of things. because we had recently interacted on Instagram. It's like, oh, you guys should come over. And so they ran us through their entire bit, uh, like full, you know, shot glasses. Right. And then I went and bought everything I was going to buy for the day. And so I'm giving somebody a pitch about, hey, here's what we're about. Here's what we want to do. We'd love to come by and do a podcast. And from Valley Shine, they have a uh, toffee liqueur that's super sticky. It's, it's very, very sugary. Uh, and it just kind of slips out. And I've been drinking it, so it seems like it's like in slow motion. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And it just explodes, and there's just sugary mess everywhere. Oh. And the guy I'm talking to, I was like, well, how do you recover from that? <laughs> <laughs> so I just keep talking, act like nothing happened. Right, I was like, right, yeah. So, I mean, at least Valley Shine got um, two purchases of toffee that night. Yeah. <laughs> so I went back. That's great. Yeah, it's a, it's a good, really good venue. From what I understand, last summer they made it so you can go into like farmer's markets and stuff. Is that oh. something you guys are Funny issue. Bring that up. Yeah, we actually, uh, the farmer's market uh, officially, uh, the spring season gets underway April 2nd, and we um, and we have a booth. Oh, excellent. So just, uh, you know, hop, skip, and a jump from yeah. here. So uh, it'd be nice to, we'll be able to sell all bottles from there, mm-hmm. and then also, you know, it's close enough that I think we can direct folks if they want to taste yeah. uh, here. The things. How do you see the future in Washington State as far as... Um, the laws changing. What, what are some things you'd like to see kind of tweaked a little bit? That would make it easy? I mean, there's there's obviously a lot in the most taxed right. state. <laughs> you know, like yeah, what is yeah? What was what was what is it you see as being possible? What's like some high in the sky idea? It's probably the biggest time, huh? like a, yeah. a, a reduction in in the tax burden. Yeah, and the alcohol yeah. tax and the liter tax. Mm-hmm. I mean, just. Just a little bit of easing there would be really nice. Yeah. It's it's interesting because initially they were supposed to have this dial back sort of feature, but now it's like, <laughs> right, yeah. this everything that you suggest needs to be you know revenue neutral because you know all this stuff it goes to fund um, it's education funding, mm-hmm. which hey and if you say you don't want to fund education like what, how bad is you know what kind of person are you right yeah. yes we want we want our children to have computers and stuff like yeah. that of course but at the same time it's just really interesting because it, it seems like most schools are underfunded mm-hmm. so <laughs> they want to generate revenue but in trying to generate revenue it's it's like uh, if we were in a boxing match or something like that mm-hmm. you could go for the knockdown punch right or else maybe just some little jab so if instead you like dial back that tax, people will then consume more, mm-hmm. so you're generating as much or more revenue than you would otherwise. Yeah. Instead, they're driving Washingtonians right out of the market, and yeah. people are going to Oregon, they're going to Idaho, and so it, it's just kind of classic in terms of Washington State regulatory stuff, right? It's like, they can't see the whole picture for for anything, yeah. you know? It's, 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 I don't know. It, it's great for uh, Idaho and Oregon, though. I yeah. know that their their revenues along along border cities are are at reported all time highs. <laughs> so I imagine we need to start distributing just to the borders in the meantime. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>